Look at us, 30 years into this new sport we call MMA, and I'd like to think we as a community have developed as much as the fights have themselves. Aside from the obvious just bleed guy, there's been changes in technology, the size and scope of the sport's biggest promotion, and all manner of cultural shifts around <clears throat> cage fighting. But if you really take a look back, far more has changed from the way we watch fights to who's actually in them. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and this is 10 MMA problems that no longer exist. Number 10, having no one to talk to about the sport. Okay, yes, in some ways this problem still exists today, but by God was it so much worse a couple of years ago. These days, if you don't have anyone in your immediate vicinity, you can jump on Twitter, find a Discord, join a Twitch chat, or of course the MMA On Point live companion, and you'll never be alone when watching a fight. Of course, this was all marginally possible back in the day, you had the underground forum, but MMA used to be a dirty secret you watched under your bed sheets at night. It wasn't fit for water cooler talk in the cold light of day. You didn't tell anyone you watched the sport. The chances of bumping into another human being who could actually see through the apparent carnage and violence to the nature of the martial arts within was pretty slim. Either that or, you know, the constant bombardment of two men and a one man leaves kind of turned a few people off. Whew, lonely times, man. You couldn't even tell your best mate Dave about it without him asking if any of them could actually beat Mike Tyson in a fight, though. Of course, these days people everywhere have heard of and talk about the sport like it's any other, not like it's the latest episode of Salad Fingers. Open and free MMA discussions for all. Thanks, crippling shame, but I don't need you anymore. MMA is here. It's got bad tattoos, disfiguring injuries, and some of the most entertaining athletes on the planet. Number nine, the best, not fighting, the best. The UFC is number one today, but they definitely didn't start out like that. Japan ruled the MMA scene for a number of years. This split the global pool of martial arts talent across the planet, which meant, well, we didn't always see the best take on the best. Pride versus the UFC was often teased, but even after the merger, it never really happened. As a fan at the time, it sucked a lot not being able to see the promotions cross over, and the heroes of Japan fight the champions in the UFC. Now that the UFC really does have a monopoly on the fight game, they have way more control than they used to. One contract fights are really a thing of the past, and that means fighters are locked into one promotion for a longer period of time. It also just so happens that the UFC is the most prestigious, most watched, and let's face it, also has the best product. These days, there's certainly talent elsewhere that we don't get to see in the UFC, but compared to 15, 20 years ago, Fedor, Vandy, Krokop, I mean, you know who they are. Today, it's obviously better to have everyone under one roof, so at least most of the time, we can see who really is the best on the planet. Number eight, waiting forever for events. Alright, so I guess this one is a bit of a double-edged sword. Obviously, back in the day, the UFC roster was a lot smaller and events were far less frequent, but less events meant that each one was absolutely stacked with the best talent on the planet. And nowadays, as Luke Thomas so consistently reminds us, we are saturated with MMA content. But we're junkies, really, you know, take it away for three weeks and the community starts to go stir-crazy. We're already hooked, probably explains them jacking up the pay-per-view prices. But back in the day, it didn't matter if you were an MMA addict, you still only got like one show a month and the wait times between them was worse than waiting for the seasonal break of Lost. Of course, by the time the event came, the community was more fired up, so yeah, it's a good and a bad thing, really. I think we can all agree more talent and more events are certainly better, and aside from the annual festive break, we no longer have to suffer through prolonged MMA droughts. Number seven, disappearing champions. I've already mentioned that one-fight deals aren't something that happen these days. Well, there's a reason for that. Back in the day, there were plenty of champions who would decide mid-title reign that they just wanted to fight somewhere else. BJ shocked everyone when he beat Matt Hughes, won the belt, and then uh, left for Japan. I mean, imagine if Izzy won the belt and then left for Ryzen for a few fights. Jens Pulver left when he was a first-ever lightweight champion, which pretty much shut down the division for several years. Pat Militich took tons of fights outside the UFC while he was still the champion. He also lost a fair amount of them. Kind of hard to believe he's the best in the world when that happened. 
happens. The list really goes on. Randy became world champion twice. The first time he vacated the belt and the second time after he won it, he went to Japan as the champion and only bloody lost as well. Again, it doesn't say a lot for the UFC when this happens. Bustamante did the same thing, but it was for the money and just left the belt behind. Outside of the UFC, you had guys like Fedor taking one fight at a time at random events. Alistair Overeem smashed his way to the Strikeforce title in 2007, left the promotion for all across the world, didn't come back until 2010 to defend it. Yeah, he had a 1,400-day title reign with only one defense. So we didn't always have the best in the world holding a title, and although multi-fight deals are restrictive, thank God we actually get to see fighters build a legacy in one place before immediately disappearing to another promotion. Number six, women's MMA. We're the fucking females. Yeah, pretty big change this one. And for a couple of years, women's MMA was so far from the mainstream. I mean, in fact, it was barely happening at all when things got started. It's honestly not surprising if you just look statistically at the ratings of women's sports compared to men's that initially it just wasn't being broadcast. But after promotions like Strikeforce started stacking their roster with female talent who showed time and time again that they could put on fights just as entertaining as everybody else, the gears slowly started moving. Dana had famously said he'd never have women in the UFC. Never. 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 But he couldn't ignore Ronda Rousey's rise through the strike force rankings and pop culture and that changed his mind. And let's face it, boy, are we glad he did. Ronda catapulted women's MMA to the top. She was at one time the biggest star in the sport, bigger than Connor even, but imagine the amount of amazing fights we would have missed out on. Joanna Jacek's title run was absolutely fucking legendary as she systematically murdered her way through an entire division and damn near built the thing herself. Having women as well as men has really opened up the sport to new audiences and mainstream culture in ways that simply would not have been possible. Number five, boxing fans and fighters being dick older brothers. Boxing has, of course, been around longer than MMA. I mean, at least in an official sports capacity. Humans have been fighting since we could make a fist. But as MMA was on the come up, boxing fans and, well, everyone involved in the sport really didn't exactly support MMA. As anyone who's had an older brother would know, I mean, they can be an arsehole. And yeah, that's kind of what boxing was to MMA. A bunch of arseholes. Didn't matter that, in essence, the sports are basically the same. I mean, at least when you compare it to something like basketball. Couldn't we have one happy combat sports family? Well, no, apparently we couldn't. Floyd Mayweather famously said that MMA was for beer drinkers. Mixed martial art is for beer, beer drinkers. As if boxing isn't, mate. And Bernard Hopkins straight up called the sport gay. Of course, Joe Rogan also had that famous debate with Lou DiBello where he blasted him for calling MMA human cockfighting. You boxing guys are oh, humans cockfighting. What you don't understand is your sport is getting swallowed. Most people inside the world of boxing basically tried to discredit the sport and demean it simply because it was competition. These days, the relationship is a lot better. After Floyd vs. Connor, all manner of things began changing. Respect was mostly given on both sides. We got Jake Paul KOing a few ex-champions. And now things like Triad, where both stars of each sport are co-promoting and competing against each other. Canelo has been training with Brandon Moreno. TJ Dillashaw was sparring with Lomachenko. And yeah, the heavyweight boxing champion just called out the UFC heavyweight champion. The two sports are becoming one, and they can hold hands and walk to the bus stop together like Forrest and Jenny. Number four, is it fake like pro wrestling? Yeah, this kind of came up a lot as MMA was on the rise. It probably didn't help that some of the UFC's early stars like Ken Shamrock or even Tank Abbott were also pro wrestling stars. Ken was in the WWF and considering how popular that had become during the 90s and with the rise of the Attitude Era, I can imagine people got pretty confused. But you know, unless they've been watching something with Guillermo del Toro, god-tier level practical effects, I'm not sure how they looked past all the broken noses, smashed eye sockets and blood-drenched competitors. I heard even to this day, Jason's mum still asks him if it's fake. Perhaps some new glasses, 
Mrs. Hart. But to be fair, exposure to popular culture over time has, of course, basically shut down any notion that the sport isn't real. And for anyone who didn't read and understand the original tagline, as real as it gets, I mean, they quite literally could not have been any clearer. It helps as well that MMA has now outgrown the popularity of pro wrestling. So no, I don't think that anyone who's watched an MMA event in the last few years thinks it's fake anymore. Unless you're Jason's mum. Number three, mainstream acceptance. If you've been a fan of the sport for a while, I think most of you will remember a period of time where almost embarrassingly, you felt the need to keep it a bit quiet. It wasn't exactly a mainstream sport, but I mean less than that even. If you told some people you watched the UFC, they would look at you sideways. That's if they ever managed to catch you behind your locked dorm room at 3am. It wasn't just the fans. Fighters have certainly gained a ton of respect from the world at large. Initially, everyone thought they were mindless Neanderthals whose sole purpose was to inflict torrents of violence on people. Okay, some of them are still like that, but I'm sure most most of them no longer have to painstakingly explain for the 100th time what it is they do for a living. That, the object is to maim, is it not, Ken? No, it's, no, it's not. I mean, What is the object? These days you can find the UFC on many bars across the world. Obviously, the ESPN partnership is a huge nod to the legitimacy of the actual sport as a whole. So yeah, most definitely the sport is now part of mainstream culture and it's cool to be an MMA fan, uh, right? Number two, obsolete fight strategies and lay and pray. Yeah, remember when a ton of people just didn't know what they were doing, but had kind of seen how jiu-jitsu worked and figured, nah, it can't be that hard. After the first couple of UFCs and everyone pretty much realized that grappling was inevitable, it became, you know, a key part of the fight. Problem was, often you get two strikers who kind of knew what BJJ was all about, but when the fight eventually hit the mat, they often ended up looking like Shane Carwin filling in on short notice for an episode of the British Bake Off. The guy on bottom didn't really know enough to get up or sweep or really do anything, and the guy on top wasn't really sure what to do either other than well i'm here i must be winning the fight and yeah this led to the phrase lay and pray being coined meaning basically just holding top position and doing as little as possible this did continue in the sport i mean heck people called cost check the human blanket but it wasn't super apparent as in the early days if you go watch an old ufc event and the ground exchanges then jump forward 100 shows it looks like everything had been in slow motion other obsolete fight strategies also kind of got thrown out the window when martial arts like ninjutsu and even sumo showed that they really didn't have a place in the sport, especially when its practitioners were viciously bludgeoned, usually in the opening rounds of the tournament. Sure, there are elements of things like lay and pray left, but by God was it awful back in the day, and I think we could all be grateful for the evolution of fighting. Number one, the tape trading community and availability. Before the invention of this handy thing called live streaming, the only way to get your hands on, well, any kind of TV product really was to head out to your local shop and buy it. That was if you didn't mind thumbing through the shelves and picking up the latest UFC VHS tape nestled gently between faces of death and the latest porn flick. Failing that, you had the saving grace of the online community on the MMA underground forums, where thankfully some fights could be shared or the very least discussed. Heck, people even used to post the tapes to each other. Everyone from Dana White to Joe Rogan was on the underground, sometimes having a chat, sometimes finding themselves in full-blown arguments. Not much has changed really, has it? Now, of course, we have UFC Fight Pass, which makes some things easier, but you know, you still need a zillion apps and a different one for damn near each promotion. I suppose there was a sense of community with everyone coming together on the underground, but given how hard the sport is to follow sometimes these days, can you imagine how hard it would have been to keep up with everything? Crossover stars like Lesnar and his fight with Randy Couture were among some of the first to be advertised right at the entrance of stores with giant cardboard cutouts instead of, you know, in the back behind the velvet curtain, the shame section. 
Big shout out to my man Lawton for editing today's video. Jump on over to Twitter and follow him at Lawton underscore Vircan. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further and I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.